Lord, that is so true that nothing this world has to offer, nothing that our hearts would desire, our flesh would desire can compare to you, your greatness, your great love, your mercy. Lord, I just ask as we go to your word tonight that, again, you would be our teacher. May man decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome again to Calvary Chapel. Great to have you here. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy 28, continuing our verse-by-verse study right through the Old Testament. Um, I heard things went really well on Sunday. I missed you guys. If you weren't here, I, I got very sick Saturday night, and poor Pastor Bill got the couple hours notice program, and I heard it went really well. The Bible says be ready in season and out of season, right? Amen? So praise the Lord for that. All right, Deuteronomy. Real quickly, just to bring you up to speed. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means the second law, or the second giving of the law. As we come to this portion, Moses began by telling them the mistakes of the previous generation. Remember the previous generation when they came out of Egypt, they were delivered out of bondage, and they crossed over the Red Sea, and they were headed through the wilderness on their way to the land of promise, an 11-day journey that soon turned into a 40-year death march. Why? Because they saw the giants in the land, they refused to, to respond in obedience to God's word, and because of it, that entire generation passed away in the wilderness. We also know during that 40 years, they, they didn't do too well during that time either. They murmured, they complained against Moses, they cried out for quail, and we want to go back to Egypt, and all you know, again, Moses pastoring a church of three million whiners. Well, finally, that entire generation has now passed away, and the next generation is about to enter in. And, the, and this second giving of the law is passing down the truth of God's word, the law, to that next generation, which is something God has called every single one of us to do. Amen? you know what? In our children's ministry, if you don't know it, we teach them the Bible here. They can hear the Bible. They're old enough. They get all that other stuff throughout the week. They need to hear God's Word without compromise. And so the same is happening here. That next generation is being taught the Word and being prepared to enter in. The first part of Deuteronomy, he reminded them of the mistakes of the past generation. And then he was preparing them for their entrance into the land. Now understand that one of the reasons he was preparing them in such a detailed way is one, Moses was not going to enter in. If you remember, Moses smote the rock when the Lord told him to speak to the rock. He smote it in anger. He misrepresented God to the people, and God said, Moses, you're not going to enter in. And then we saw that Moses, in preparation for them to go in, was preparing them for the fact that this land was going to be filled with idol worship. This land was going to be filled with paganism. And what he told them is, look, You guys are entering into the land flowing with milk and honey, but even though you enter into that land flowing with milk and honey, temptation's going to be waiting for you. Now, we've seen the types. Egypt is a type of the world. We were delivered out of bondage. They were delivered out of bondage, a picture of being delivered from their sin. The Red Sea, a picture of water baptism. And then heading to the land of promise, which is the spirit-filled life, as they cross over the Jordan and experience all that God has for them. But we all need to know that even when we're walking in the center of God's will and we're experiencing all that God has for us, that there's still going to be temptation there. There's still going to be the enemy trying to draw us away. So as we come to chapter 28, And I know you've already looked at it, and we probably won't get through the whole chapter, so you can exhale, okay? I know it's 68 verses, all right? We're going to do our best to get through quite a bit of it, all right? Now, what I want to say is at this point, 
He's going to talk to them, continue as we saw last Wednesday, to talk to them first about the blessings of obedience and then the cursings of disobedience. Now, we live in a day of moral relativism, which is, hey, whatever the culture says, that's the standard. As long as we go with the flow, we're going to be just fine. But you know what? The Word of God is the standard, not the culture. Amen? And that's why we need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to know what the Bible says so we can make it the standard for our lives. And I have to encourage you, I want to tell you that as a pastor, it grips my heart because there are too many born-again believers today who say, hey, I've been delivered, and I'm a new creation in Christ, and, you know, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and I have the promise of heaven, and, you know, we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace, so do I really have to obey all of it? I mean, as long as I, you know, I love Jesus, and I've got a relationship with God, and as long as that's okay, can't I just kind of pick and choose and, and, and live my life? I'm better than most people. If you guys have been here on Sunday mornings and going through 2 Corinthians, you'll remember that the the super apostles, the non-apostles, these guys were comparing themselves with themselves. Remember that? They were saying, hey, we're better than most people. Well, people are not the standard. Jesus Christ is. Amen? And we all fall short, and so he's really exhorting them that you're getting ready to go in, and if you start saying, well, hey, we're better than most of the people in the land, then, we're gonna be, then you're going to always feel like it's okay to have sinful behavior. Can I say this? We've been born again. We are new creations in Christ but God still desires that we walk in obedience to his word. Amen? Amen? And you know what? To obey is better than sacrifice, he says. So again, we've been saved. Praise God for that. And, you know, it's not of works, right, brother? And, you know, if you start talking about obedience, then people are going to think that's legalism. But it's not legalism to say obey the word of God. It's legalism when I have a conviction that's outside of the word, and I try to put that conviction on somebody else. If I start telling you how you should wear your hair or what color this should be, or that, that's, out, that's extra biblical. That can be legalism, but the word of God and standing to it is not legalism. It's obedience. Amen? And so that's what he wants to talk to them about tonight. And again, as Christians, it's not just the, if you've heard me say many times, I got my get out of hell free card, I'm going to heaven, I can live like the world now. God desires that we be set apart, that we be holy and set apart unto him. Salvation is deliverance from sin, not a license to sin. Romans 6.1 says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Because we've been born again, we should not then continue in sin because we know that we've been forgiven. Isn't that one of Satan's greatest lies? Just go ahead and do it. You're forgiven. You know, the Lord, He died on the cross for you, right? Just go for it. That's what Satan loves to whisper in our ear. And that's what the enemy loves to do to draw us away from the Lord. Obedience does not produce salvation, but the fruit of salvation should produce obedience. We're not sinless, but as Christians we should sin less. And so we're going to see again in tonight's text, Jesus is not to just be our Savior, but our Lord. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. And so in tonight's chapter, Moses is going to instruct the children of Israel. And this was written thousands of years ago, and I know this is during the Old Testament. And you might wonder, what's this got to do with me? Well, certainly we're going to see the clear application to Israel, and we're going to see the fulfillment of some of this prophecy that's already taken place. But there's also very clear application for every single one of us that God desires that we walk in obedience to Him. They're about to enter in that promised land. Temptation would be waiting, and Moses is going to deliver God's message to them. Now remember this, and then we'll look at the text. God is not a no-fun bummer God trying to keep you from having fun. Too often we think God's in heaven with a lightning bolt waiting for us to make a mistake. That's not God. 
He's your Abba Father. He's Daddy who loves you, and He gives you His Word because He loves you, and He desires the best for you. My kids don't always think I want what's best for them when I give them some of the, you know, the direction in our house, but I do it because I love them. And my prayer would be as they grow older, they'll see that. But obedience to God's command is not knuckling under out of distress to a vicious tyrant, but is responding by faith to our loving Heavenly Father, trusting that He loves us and He knows what's best for us. So tonight, as Moses instructs them again, we're going to see very clearly that blessings come from obedience and consequences or curses come from disobedience. All right? Now, I don't want us to get caught up in legalism. We're not trying to earn our way to, salva- to, to heaven or earn our salvation, but these things do apply. So there's only two main sections tonight. We're first going to see the blessings of obedience in verses 1 to 14. Then we're going to begin on verses 15 through 68. We'll see how far we get. And in that section, we see the curses and consequences of disobedience. So let's begin in verse 1, Deuteronomy 28, the blessings of obedience. He says in verse 1, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now the key word in that verse is if. If you obey. If you diligently obey the voice of God. Now if speaks of the fact that this is a conditional covenant. Some of the promises God gave were unconditional. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Some of the, you know, those promises. But, some are conditional. Romans 10.9 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. But it says if. God won't force salvation on you. You respond to the work of the cross by faith. Amen? And so we see here, he's saying the same thing. If, now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord to obtain, to obtain carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. So how is the blessing going to take place? There must first be a response to obey the word of God. You know, one of the things that happens often as a pastor when I counsel people, people are struggling in their marriage, but they're walking in disobedience. They're struggling with their kids, but they're not raising them in a godly home. And my heart is not to condemn you if that's where you're at, but to exhort you to put God first in your house. Start praying with your wife. Start opening the Word of God with your wife and pray with your kids. I like to pray with my boys in the morning before school. And I would encourage you to do that. Because we need to make God the central focus in our homes. And so here the point is if. It's a conditional covenant. Israel's future blessing was, continu- was conditioned on their obedience. Now, the same was true of the previous generation. What happened? They didn't obey. How did that work out? Not too good. They all died in the wilderness, right? And again... They've been delivered out of bondage, but they missed out on God's highest. We can be delivered out of bondage and miss out on God's highest because we refuse to give our lives and surrender all to the Lord completely. Lord, I give you my life completely. The Mosaic Covenant was made with a people who had already been redeemed by God's gracious deliverance. Remember, they were in bondage in Egypt. They cried out. The Lord heard their cry, and He delivered them. And so they've been delivered out of bondage, but there's still something more that God wants to do with them. The covenant was given that Israel might enjoy fellowship with God, that they'd be prepared to receive the blessing, be a witness to the world around them. So when we obey, we have intimacy with the Lord. When we disobey, we break fellowship with God. We're still His kids, we're still going to heaven, but we break that intimate relationship with the Lord. 
Because God, can, again, cannot have sin in His presence. So if then, so if, you, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal, the, heal their land. Do we want to see revival in Santa Cruz? The problem is not the unbelievers. The problem is the church. We need to pray more. Amen? We need to pray for Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, Holy Cross, that God would do a work here. And it's not the unbelievers that they're acting like unbelievers. Duh, right? They don't know God. We shouldn't be surprised. We should be burdened for them and want to see them come to know the Lord. And so here's the calling that he has upon their life. If you will respond, then blessing will be the result. Again, this entire second giving of the law. Because he says there, all his commandments which I command you today. He's telling them this entire book of Deuteronomy, this long letter that I'm sharing with you, this long speech of the law. As we saw a couple weeks ago, they whitewashed some stones and they wrote it all down so everybody could look at it. And he said, if you will obey this, God will bless you. If we will simply obey God's word, he desires to bless us. And then he says there, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. He's speaking to the children of Israel and he says, if you'll obey me, I will bless you and you'll be greater than all the nations on the earth. Verse 2. And these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. If you underline words in your Bible, underline overtake you. Notice they don't pursue the blessing. They pursue the Lord. We don't chase the blessing. We don't chase the gifts. We pursue God. And we pursue the giver of the gifts. Amen? And you know what? The blessings will be natural outpouring of intimacy with God. If I have an intimate relationship with the Lord, then those blessings are going to be pouring out of my life. And I'm not, you know what, can I encourage you with something? I'm not talking about naming and claim it, grabbing and blab it, blessings of a Cadillac in my driveway. That's not what I'm talking about. I think those blessings are very temporal. God does promise to provide our needs. But you know what the greatest blessings are? Intimate fellowship with God. The greatest blessings are God using my life in a mighty, mighty and a powerful way that will impact eternity. And he's telling them, if you will, again, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So we're not pursuing the blessings, we're pursuing God. And you know what? We need to do more of that. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You want to have peace? You want to have joy? You want to have that peace that surpasses all understanding? You know where that comes from? It doesn't come from pursuing blessings or changing the circumstances in your life. It comes from intimate fellowship with God, having that great relationship with Him. Because you know what? When I'm walking in the center of His will, there's nothing the world can do to me that's going to take that peace and that joy away. Amen? Amen. Because I know the Creator of the universe. So if Israel was obedient, they wouldn't be able to escape God's blessings. And the same is true today. When we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Now, verses 3 through 14, he's going to give us a list of God's blessings upon obedience to his word. Again, if they obeyed the Lord, then every aspect of their lives would be blessed. Let's begin in verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. So God's blessing would be upon their location wherever they were. They wouldn't have to pursue a location of blessing. If I could just live in Hawaii, then I'd be blessed. If I could just live in a big city that had all the stuff that I'm looking for, and too often we're trying to find a place that will bring comfort when it's not a place, it's a person. It's Christ. 
And too often we want to go, if I could just find the perfect place, you know, real estate's out of control here. Is that true or not? It's true. You could probably sell a garage for half a million dollars. I'm convinced of it, all right? So you probably could. I bet you could. So here's the thing. We can say, man, it's just too expensive to live here. I need to go find someplace cheaper where I can afford a big house. And maybe God will do that. But you know what? Don't find your peace in your location. Find your peace in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says very clearly here, look, blessings are going to come wherever you are if you obey me. It won't matter what city you live in. It won't matter if you're in the country because I will never leave you nor forsake you and I'll always be with you and I'm your God and I'm your Savior and I'm your King and follow me. And that's God's heart for every one of us in this room tonight. Wouldn't have to pursue a location to find blessing, but instead we're blessed whether in the city or in the country, as long as they're pursuing God. And as we walk in obedience, we'll never have to look for that greener grass. We'll be blessed right where we are. Can I encourage you too? I have people come to me sometimes and tell me that they feel called to full-time ministry because they just lost their job. And I'm like, wait a minute. So sometimes they think, again, the circumstances. You know what? Let's not be moved by our circumstances. Let's be moved by the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm looking for the person that's loving where they are, and those are the ones that God's moving in their heart. I love where I am. If God keeps me right here, that's great. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen? And too often people will say, man, if I could just get married, then I'd be happy. If we could just have kids, then I'd be happy. If, you know, if my daughter would find a neat guy, I'd be happy. And if this would happen, I'd be happy. And we keep trying to have circumstances be the thing that brings us joy. When, you know what, if you're resting in your circumstances that bring you joy, you're not going to be happy very often. Because something's always going to be messed up. Always. There's always going to be things of difficulty. So blessings and contentment, contentment were not based on location physically, but their walk spiritually. The same is true of us. Verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and offspring of your flocks. So obedience would produce blessings and fertility and fruitfulness. They would have many healthy offspring, a healthy family. Again, if I'm pursuing God, my family is going to be spiritually healthy. Now, does that mean that my kids will always walk in obedience to God? No, unfortunately, right? Because God gives us all free will. But I will say this. I want to stand before God and I want to be able to look in my children's eyes and know that I raised them in a godly home. Know that I gave them every opportunity to love and know our Savior. And what he's saying here is if you walk in obedience, your family's going to be blessed. Your offspring, it's going to be fruitful as you walk in obedience to me. Now again, this is throughout the first uh, 14 verses here. Blessing after blessing after blessing. He also says not only would they grow in strength and numbers as people, but their gardens and their orchards and their fields would flourish. And there would be an increase in their cattle and their livestock, which in most of their cases, that was their job. So as we walk in obedience to the Lord, I believe God's going to bless our work. And I truly believe this too. Not blessing to the point where we're a millionaire. What I'm talking about is God's going to bless what we put our hands to that He might be glorified. I believe every Christian ought to be the best worker in the building. People ought to look at us and go, you know what? What's different about you? You're here early. You stay late. You never complain. You work hard. Wow. What? And you know, the sad part is that's a, a, a rare exception today. But that should be a testimony to the God that we serve because ultimately he's the one we're working for. Amen? 
And so his heart was, look, if you walk in obedience, I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your offspring. I'm going to bless your vocation. I'm going to bless the, the fruit of the land. It's going to produce provision for you and for your family. And praise God that through obedience, again, God will bless us. Blessed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Here he's talking about their provision. There'd always be enough food in their homes. Now again, you've heard me say this before, and I know it's not always popular when I say it, but I believe it's the Bible. God desires that we be faithful to use the gifts he's given us and to work for our food. Now some people, their health is wrong, and we need to minister to them. Amen? But the Bible says, a man who does not work shall not eat. And so it is sin if you are healthy and you just choose not to work. That's laziness. But it says here, if we walk in obedience, then God will provide. So as I'm obedient to go out and use the gifts and the talents and the health that God's given me, then he will provide for my family. But I've had people say to me, well, God's not providing. And, they, you know, and they're, they're sitting around waiting for someone to knock on their door and hand them $100,000 a year job. And I'll say, how many resumes have you sent out? Well, I sent out one about four months ago. I'm waiting for a phone call. Well, wait a minute. That's laziness, right? Amen? You're not walking in obedience to the Lord. And what he's saying here is, look, you obey God, he's going to provide for your family. Your basket and your kneading bowl will always be full. There'll always be enough to prepare. And again, it's not our wants, but our needs. Amen? It's not, you know, the, the big house on the hill. It's just, hey, Lord, I give my life to you. Whatever you provide for me is going to be just fine. Now, he may give you the big house on the hill, but you make sure that you put God above that house. Amen? And you put God above that job or whatever else that he blesses you with. Verse 6. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. He's talking now about their daily living. God's hand of blessing would be upon them wherever they went. So too, as you and I walk in obedience, our families are blessed. Our bosses, our careers are blessed. Our daily needs are provided for. And God is with you wherever you go. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to the grocery store, when you're walking around your neighborhood, the Lord's with you, and He wants to shine through you. And if you walk in obedience, there's going to be divine appointments and opportunities for you to share the love of God with others. And that's why what Jesus said as He was ascending in heaven. Go therefore and what? Make disciples of all nations. And God's called us all. To go out and share our faith. Now again, I, my wife has told me that sometimes I'm too heavy on this, but there it is. I'll do it anyway. Here's the thing. She said, you know, make sure people don't feel condemned. I don't want you to feel condemned because you're not sharing your faith enough. But can I encourage you with something? God's called us to share our faith. And you know what? I love my wife, and I love to introduce my wife to people. Why? Because I love her. I love my kids, and I love to introduce my kids to people. I'm a proud dad. These are my kids. I love them. You know what? I'm to love Jesus more. And as much as I love to, to introduce my wife and my kids to people, shouldn't I want to introduce them to the Savior of my soul who can save their soul as well and can redeem them and forgive them? So it should be, you know, can I encourage you? Pray for your mission field. Pray for opportunities to share your faith. You'll be amazed at the opportunities God will bring. Verse 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. So as Israel went in, in many cases, they were going to be outnumbered by their enemy. And God was telling them, if you walk in obedience to me, they're going to come in one way at you, and they're, and they're going to be fearful because I'm with you, and they're going to run out in seven different directions. And the application for you and I is that the enemy, the, the greatest enemy that we face today, the Bible says we battle not with flesh and blood, 
both powers and principalities and evil forces of darkness in high places. The enemy wants to draw us away, but remember the enemy is a defeated foe. Sometimes we give Satan too much credit. Sometimes we don't give him enough. But you know what? You plus God is the majority. And if God is with you, who can be against you? And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? And he's telling them very clearly here, if you walk with me, the enemy who comes against you, I will take care of them. He will give them supernatural military success. He will give them victory over all the enemies, no matter how great the giants that are in the land that they were going to face. And again, this possession of this land that God had given them, he would be faithful to keep it in their care. Remember, though, I want to say this. Remember this. Without him, we can do what? Nothing. So it's not us just trying harder to be obedient and doing the best we can and that God's going to... It's being desperate for him so that we can walk in obedience. Amen? Pursuing the Lord so that we can walk in the center of his will. Again, obedience is the fruit of salvation, not the source of it. So the enemy will be defeated because God is with us. Or God, in their case, God is with them. And Israel is going to go in and fight and face a mighty foe. Sometimes maybe you go to work and you feel like you're, the enemy's waiting for you there. Maybe you've got to struggle with your boss or struggle with a coworker or whatever it might be. Just remember that the Lord's with you. Amen? And you just be faithful and put in God's hands. It's such a peace. He says, take my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Just give it to the Lord instead of battling it out. Verse 8. The Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Again, he will bless all that you put your hand to. They didn't need to fear a famine. Their storehouses would be full. God was the one who gave them the land. God would be the one that would provide for them. And God was, again, giving us the talents and the gifts and the possessions that we have that he might meet our needs. One of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, which means what? Lord God our what? Lord God our provider. The Lord provides. And he is the God who provides. And he alone should be glorified in our provision. Verse 9, again, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. I believe this is the greatest blessing of them all. Look what he says. Let me read it again. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. There's that word if again. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So the Lord will establish you as a holy people. God will separate an obedient Israel unto himself. They would enter into intimate fellowship with him. They would be separated from the world and to his service to represent him to a lost and dying world. Now, if we don't have intimacy with God, all the other blessings are meaningless. And what he's saying right here is, look, if you'll walk in obedience, you'll have intimacy with me. You'll be set apart unto me. You'll be a holy people. I will establish you above all nations, he says to Israel. But for you and I, if we will walk with him, we can have intimacy with the creator of the universe. If we will simply obey, God's hand will be upon every aspect of our lives. You and I are called today to be separated from the world and to represent him to the world. You know, too often I tell people say to me, well, pastor, you know, new Christians. I've been a Christian just a few months and all my friends are partiers and drinkers and, you know, they're from my old life and I don't know what to do. And I said, you know what? Just start living sold out for God and one of two things will happen with your friends. They'll get saved or they'll stop wanting to be around you. It's so true, isn't it? Anybody say amen to that? It's so true. 
If you just fall in love with the Lord, and I'm not saying chase people away. The Lord loves them, and they could be in your life for that reason. But we are to minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. Amen? And so he's very clearly telling them here, look, I want you to be a holy people, set apart unto me. And God's desire is that you and I as Christians today would be holy people set apart unto Him. Our holiness is not based on our good works, but His good work on the cross. And that's what makes us holy. And that's why we can have intimacy with Him. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. Now I find that interesting. When they know that God's on their side, the people will be afraid. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. This is a good thing. Amen? All the world will see that you're God's people. How will they see that in your, in your life and mine? How do people know that we're God's people? It's as we walk in obedience to the Lord, as you, as you live lives set apart from the world, as you have intimate fellowship with Almighty God, and He pours out His blessings upon your life. That's how God, the people will know. It's not about being undercover Christians, Amen? It's not about going to work another day. No one found out I was saved, right? When I was a youth pastor, I used to really get after the kids and say, how many guys, you know, pray over your meal at school? Oh, uh. So they'd start praying, but then they'd do this. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Jesus' name, amen. Nobody saw me, right? That's not it. God wants us, again, and I, my heart is that we would be so in love with God that we wouldn't be ashamed of Him, amen? amen. That we wouldn't hide our light under a bushel, but we'd hold it out so everybody can see it. And know what a great and awesome God we serve. Now he's telling the children of Israel. Now remember, they're going into a land with giants. And he says, you fear me, they're all going to be afraid of you. Now, at first blush, you know, it would be like some Dave, if you just obey God, then, you know, Hulk Hogan's going to be afraid of you. Right? Oh, yeah, really. You know, but, but here's the thing. That's exactly what God's heart was for the children of Israel. You know what? Trust me, you don't have to fear the world. You know what? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen? We don't have to be afraid because God is on our side. When the surrounding pagan nations saw that God was on, the, on Israel's side, they would fear and have reverence for Israel. May we live lives that the world will see that God is in us. And again, by our love and our obedience toward Him and our love towards them. The Bible says they shall know us by the love we have one for another. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we are, if we love people supernaturally, people will see that there's something different about us and our God will be glorified. Verse 11 and 12. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. God will fruitfully bless the land of promise if they will walk in obedience by opening up the heavens and pouring out both rain and blessings upon them. He would give to them in abundance that they might minister to those who were hurting. Why does God bless us with abundance? So we can just be as comfortable as possible? So we can all, you know, live in, well, around here, I couldn't say, I said a million dollar house, that's a tract home. But you know what I mean? We could say, so we can all live really comfortable lives and allow others to suffer? No, the, the Lord's heart is, the Lord's heart is that as He blesses us, it's so that we can minister to others in His name. So we can take all that belongs to Him, it's all His, and use it for His glory to touch other people's lives. 
And that's what he's telling them. If you'll go and be obedient, I'll open up the rain. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to minister to the nations that are around you. Because they're, they're going to be dying. They're going to be starving. And you're going to be able to reach out to them because I have blessed you. Our sufficiency is in Christ. And we shouldn't have to borrow from the world, their methods or anything else. I'm not talking about borrowing on your house. Sometimes it's being a good steward. That's what God would have us do. But we don't need to borrow from the world's methods. Christ is our example. We're to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen? I don't need any... This book right here is good enough for me. How about you? Amen? This is the greatest... This is the, you know, the instruction manual for life right here in your hand. And we don't need to turn to the world. And he's telling them, God's going to open up the heavens. He's going to bless you. And as he does, he wants you to reach out and minister to those around you. Don't be indebted to the world. Minister to it. That's what he says at the end of verse 12 there. He says, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. Now he's speaking to Israel, and he's telling them, as you go into the land, you will not serve other nations, they will serve you. You will not be in a position of of being uh, indebted to the world, but they will be indebted to you. And all of this was so that they could minister to people the truth of who the real God is. Again, remember, they're going into a land filled with idols. So they're going to walk into this land filled with idol worship. And there's a temptation just to go be like the world. But God's calling and God's command for the children of Israel was don't do it. It's interesting, I was listening to a radio program on the way here, and there's a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye that I used to give out in the youth group. And they were talking about the culture today, even amongst Christians, is, you know, kids are dating at 13. And, and he was just talking about, you know what, he challenged said, parents, don't fall into the trap of being like the culture. Let God's word be the example. And I want to encourage us, the same is true in every aspect of life. Don't say, well, who cares if another church is doing it? What does the Bible say? The Bible needs to be the authority. And you know what, it won't always be popular with your kids. We'll always be popular, again, even with other people. And again, we shouldn't go around legalistic and tell other people how to raise their family, but we need to be obedient to what God shows us in His Word. And the Lord will make you the head, He says there. And I command you today, and be careful to observe them. Verse 14, So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. So Israel would experience great blessings, militarily, financially, in, pro, in the great provision God would give them. They would be a great witness to surrounding nations. They would enjoy intimate fellowship with Almighty God. And all they needed to do was keep their eyes on Him. He said, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, just keep your eyes on me. Sometimes it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Amen. Isn't it easy to be distracted by the world and all the things going on? Of course it is. And the Lord knows that. As long as they kept their eyes on Him and didn't turn to the right or to the left, to go after the false gods that would be surrounding them as they entered into the land of promise, all the worldly temptations that would be in front of them, God would bless them. And the same is true for us. If we'll keep our eyes on Jesus and seek first His kingdom and not turn aside to serve the false gods of this world, pursue God, not the blessings. Pursue the giver again and not the gifts. His blessings will come upon you and overtake you. You know what? God loves to bless those who will use those things for His glory. He really does says in the Bible that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one he can show himself strong on, on account of, one whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking for a man or a woman, not a message, not a system, not a program, a man or a woman. 
And that's who he wants to use to touch the world. And, he's, and he loves to bless those who will be faithful to use whatever gift he's given them for his glory. Not for our glory, but for his glory. Obedience to God's word will keep you from following the false gods. It is difficult, but again, that's why it's so key that we be in God's word every day. Again, if you want to experience God's blessings, to walk in intimate fellowship with him, to be a witness to a lost and dying world, then keep your eyes on the Lord. And it will help you again to avoid the curses and consequences of disobedience. Let's begin in 15. We'll see how far we get. But for the rest of this chapter, we see the curses and consequences of disobedience. Now, it's interesting that you go from verse 15 to verse 68 of curses and 1 to 14 of blessings. Now, is God a no fun bummer God? Okay, just a little bit of blessing. A lot of cursing. No. I believe it's very clear. Here's why. This is a prophetic chapter. And what we see is going to take place. And God wanted to make it very clear that the consequences for their sin were not by chance, were not by consequence, but they were divinely ordained by God. That if you do this, this will happen. He said, hey, if you obey me, here's the blessings. If you disobey me, here's the consequences. And the same is true for you and I today. And again, why only 14? Again, because God wanted to make it clear. This chapter, again, is very prophetic. It is encouraging the children of Israel which direction they should go. And God is very specific about the curses and the consequences. You wouldn't blame it on bad luck or blame it on chance. You get pregnant out of, ba- out of wedlock, that's not bad luck. That's the fruit of rebellion. You get pulled over when you've, oh, I just went out and had a few drinks with my buddies. And I got nailed for drunk driving. Man, I'm so unfortunate. No, you're not. It's fruit of rebellion. Amen? And you know what? It's a God who loves you enough to have you get tagged, so maybe you'll learn from it. Amen? Those who the Lord loves, He disciplines. Sometimes my kids will say that. They'll go, you know, some kids at school do 150 bad things and never get caught. I do one thing and I get caught immediately. I'm like, see, the Lord, your sin will surely find you out because those who the Lord loves, He disciplines. Amen? And I pray for you a lot, so you're going to get caught every time. Just know that. Right? Just be ready. You're caught cheating on a test, cheating on your taxes. Again, it's not by chance. It's the consequence of sin. So now let's look at the curses and consequences of disobedience. Now, this is heavy stuff. I know. Oh, man, did I, I didn't know it was going to be on curses, man. I didn't want to come tonight, right? But again, these are warnings so that we don't have to experience these things. God doesn't want us to go through this. Kids, don't play on the freeway. Get hit by a bus. Oh, man, I didn't want to hear that. No, this is a warning to keep you from getting hit by the bus, Right? This is not a no-fun bummer restriction. The same is true as we read through these verses. Now again, notice one of the key words in verse 15. But it shall come to pass, what? If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you today, that these curses will come upon you and what? Overtake you. Just like the blessings... If we walk in obedience, the blessings will overtake us. If we walk in disobedience, you can't get away from the consequences. The consequences are going to come. You can't escape them. You can't run fast enough. So as you walk in obedience, you can't escape the blessing that God's going to place upon your life. And as you walk in disobedience, you can't escape the consequences. You can jump off a building and realize when you're two floors down on a 20-floor drop that you made a mistake. And you can repent and God will forgive you, but guess what? You're still going to hit the concrete right? Gravity's still going to be in play. You're still going to get smacked. So why? Because God will forgive you, but sin still has consequences. God is a gracious God, a loving God, a merciful God, but sin, again, 
has consequences. So if points to the choice. If we obey God, blessings will follow. If we choose not to obey God, the cursings and the consequences will follow. And you cannot outrun them. Guess what? We all choose. We all choose. Choose today whom you're going to serve. That's what the Bible says. So make a choice. In the morning when we get up, we choose what the priority is going to be today. We choose what our passion is going to be about. We choose whether or not we're going to spend some time in the Word, and we're going to spend time in prayer, and if we're going to you know, put Christian music on in the car as we drive to work. We make choices that really impact our daily walk with the Lord. Verse 16, Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Where have we heard this before? If you walk in obedience, you'll be blessed wherever you go. And if you walk in disobedience, no matter where you are, you're going to be miserable. You can be in a mansion in Tahiti, and you're going to be miserable. And if you're walking with the Lord, like some of the people I've met, living in India on a dirt floor with four kids and no electricity that have more joy than people I know that live in mansions. Why? Because the Lord's with them. And they're walking in the center of His will. And that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. So if you're obedient, it doesn't matter where you are. You're going to have joy. If you're walking in the center of His will and you've got intimate fellowship with God, that's where your joy is going to come from. But if you're walking in disobedience to the Lord, no amount of money, no amount of fame, no amount of stuff, and no change of, loca- no change of location is ever going to bring you the peace that you look for. Well, again, when you walk in obedience, you're blessed in a shack in the desert. And you walk in disobedience, you can be miserable in a mansion on a tropical island. No destination will ever bring you peace. Verse 17, cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. So, are we seeing the exact opposite here? Blessed are these areas of your life if you obey me, and the consequences are going to be hard if you don't. Now, is this a no-fun bummer, God? Or do we see the love of God who's trying to keep the children of Israel from falling into the same trap as the previous generation? That previous generation missed out on God's highest because they murmured and they complained and they doubted God. He's just simply warning them. Guys, if you disobey, if you follow into the, fall into the trap of serving the pagan gods, you're going to reap the consequences of it. Just trust me and love me. I'll bless you. Don't follow that. Seek after me. Again, we see that curses and consequences would, again, they'd, go, they'd hunger. They would go without. And as I said before, a man who does not work shall not eat. If a man disobeys God and is unwilling to work, then the consequences are going to hurt his whole family. The Bible says a man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. That's what the Bible says. Wow. So guys, can I encourage you? I'm sure there may be nobody in this room that's under those, in those circumstances, but I just want to encourage you, now, if you're not healthy, if you're hurt, that's different. Let's make that really clear. Sometimes people think I'm picking on them. That's certainly not my heart. The Lord loves you, and he knows where you're at. Verse 18. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body, and the produce of your land, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Again, the exact opposite. When you're obedient, God will bless your family. God will bless your children. God will bless your vocation. When you walk in disobedience, it's going to bring harm to your family, harm to your children, harm to your vocation. You know what? We cannot walk in total disobedience to God and expect Him to bless our marriage. We cannot walk in in total disobedience to God and not expect it to impact our kids. Thinking that we can live sinful lives and somehow our kids won't follow in that pattern. A lot of parents say, I send my kids to church. I think it's good for them. So I get them, you know, I take them down, drop them off, and I go, 
drink some beers and watch the Raider game, right? Now, do you think, you think you're not having an impact on the kids? Now, that's great. I'm glad to bring the kids to church. That's wonderful. But you know what? They're still seeing your example. They're still seeing that God's not important to you. And that's, a pro- and that's again, going to reap consequences in your family. Our sin and rebellion always impacts more than just us. It impacts our wives and our kids and our co-workers. It impacts our testimony at work. And again, you might say, I've got co-workers who are dishonest and are raking it in. What about that? How come people can walk in disobedience and they seem to be doing just fine? People that don't know God. Have you ever seen, you've seen that, right? People that are sold out for their career and they seem to be doing great. Well, you know what? It all depends on how you measure your wealth. Where you're, again, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And you know what? My prayer would be for all of us that we wouldn't have so much stuff that would take our eyes off of Jesus. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The greatest blessings are not temporal but eternal. Obedience and faithfulness reflects Christ to a lost and dying world. And that should be our heart. Verse 19, Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Guess what? When you walk in disobedience... You're going to reap the consequences no matter where you go. There's no safe place. Now, the word of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe, right? We talked about earlier the, the city of refuge. And that we can run to the Lord always, amen? You can take a million steps away from God. As you've heard me say many times, it's only one step back. God's always there. He loves you. He desires to have that fellowship with you. And He will never turn you away if you come to Him. But if we walk outside of His will and we disobey Him, and we just rebel against what His Word says, then sadly, there will be those consequences that come into our lives. And you know what? We won't be able to escape them. Our sin will surely find us out. If I walk in disobedience and rebellion, every aspect of my life will be affected. You might say, well, it's not fair. Well, just remember this and be encouraged. Those who the Lord loves, He disciplines. So if He's disciplining you, it's because He loves you. Amen? He cares about you. He wants to draw you back into right fellowship. Let's go through a few more verses here. Verse 20. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. Let's all go write that verse down in our mirror at home, right? I want to look at that every morning when I wake up. Now, he's talking to the children of Israel. He's letting them know. You saw the previous generation, the destruction that came. Guess what? He says to them, The Lord your God will send cursing and confusion and rebuke. The words I wrote down to define those in the original language. What he's really talking about here is that they will have no control. The end result is God will not allow them to go in in their sinful behavior and that the rebellion to go on indefinitely. By the way, if you're living in rebellion to the Lord right now and, and the correction hasn't come just remember that god's grace is not god's permission he will not he will suffer long but he won't suffer always and so he's telling them you know what you continue to walk in it confusion's going to come cursing's going to come rebuke's going to come until you are destroyed until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me you know what the lord will force himself on no one and if we forsake him then we will reap the consequences of that. Verse 21, The Lord will make the plague cling to you until He has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. Now, when they came out of Egypt, what was it that delivered them? Plagues upon Egypt, right? And now He's telling them, you know what? 
You were on the blessed side of that, but if you walk in rebellion against me, you're going to be like Egypt. And now the consequences are going to come. Now, a lot of people, again, they don't like these Old Testament books. They go, man, God seems pretty judgmental. I like the God of the New Testament better. Ever heard that before? Same God. Amen? Not a different God. Same God. Same God who loves you. Same God who cares for you. A disobedient Israel would be cursed in their health. Their sinful behavior and rebellion, again, it often impacts our health today. You go out and live a sinful life, guess what's going to happen to your health? Sexually transmitted disease, liver problems, you know, all these kinds of things that can come from the, from the wrong behavior. Again, walking in obedience to God will also bless us and keep us healthy. Again, I want to say this. Not all sickness is a result of sin. You might hear that some places. That's not true. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Did he love God? Was he sold out for the Lord? He had a thorn in his flesh all his life. God had it there to keep him humble. It says, The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. That's really encouraging. Now again, what's he doing? He's warning them. If you, if you get caught up with the idols, the consequences are going to be heavy. And you know what? The same is true today. If people reject God, the consequences are heavy. Amen? They really are. And we need to love people enough to point them to God's grace and His mercy and His desire to redeem their souls. It says in your heavens, verse 23, which are over your head shall be bronze and the earth which is under you shall be iron. What's he talking about? Again, I looked him up in the original language. Here's what he's talking about. There'll be drought. The ground's going to be hard as a rock. The heavens are going to close up. Remember he said, if you walk in obedience, I'm going to pour out rain upon you, and your land's going to be fruitful. But if you disobey me, then there's going to be famine in the land, and you're going to starve. This is, this is a tape everybody's going to want to give to all their friends, right? Verse 24. We teach the whole Bible, amen? It's all in there for a reason. You would skip over these kind of chapters. That's just kind of heavy. I don't think people are going to like that very much. You might have some people not come back after that. Hey, the point is, it's in God's Word for a reason. Amen? It's to warn us and to let us know. that. Again, is obedience important to God? Yes. Does He want us to walk in obedience because He loves us and He knows what's best for us? Absolutely. Verse 24. I know we're not going to get through the chapter, so don't panic. Verse 24. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust, and from heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Israel's disobedience will result in drought, and when there's no water, there's no life. And you know what? The same is true for you and I today. The water is a picture in the Bible of two things, the Word and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, sanctify your home by the washing of the water of the Word of God. There'll be a drought in your, in your walk with God if there's no water of the Word there. There'll be a drought in your home if there's no water of the word there. And the same is true as he's saying, you know what? If you walk in disobedience, everything's going to dry up. Verse 25 and 26. The Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. You shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. So before he said, you're going to go out and defeat all the enemies because I'm with you. If you go out on your own, you'll win nothing. And not only that, where everybody else feared you when I'm on your side, you're going to go out and says you're going to be troublesome to all nations, which means they're all going to be after you. So all the enemies are going to come after you if you go out there on your own. And the same is true for us. If, and again, 
This is for unbelievers, but even for us as Christians. If we don't spend time in the Word, we don't spend time in prayer, we don't have any fellowship, is that going to impact how we respond to temptation? Is it going to impact how we do in our daily walk? Of course it is. Instead of the enemy fleeing, now they would be fleeing. A couple more verses and we'll close. Their carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. You know what this means? You're going to be destroyed by the, the people of this world, and you're not going to have anybody stand with you, and nobody's going to be left, because when you die, they're going to be picking at your carcasses, and no one's even going to be there to bury your body. Pretty heavy, right? And again, God is warning them so they don't have to face it. I'd rather be warned by God than have to endure it. Entered the battle on their own, and they would be soundly defeated. If Israel went out on their own, they would have the entire world coming against them. What does that sound like? How's Israel today? How many allies does Israel have today? Not very many. Why? Because, and and again, I don't want you to take this wrong, but let me make it really clear. Israel and the Jews right now are in rebellion against God. Is that true? They rejected the Messiah. Now, is they, are, does he still love them? Yes. Does he still going to redeem them in the end? Many of them are going to come to him. Absolutely. But you know what? Right now, they're in rebellion, and it's not by chance that they have no allies. Now, God's going to use that for his glory in the end, because without allies, God is going to protect them, and God is going to bless them. But right now, they're in rebellion against the Lord. And this is all fulfillment of the rest of this continue to read the rest of this chapter we'll look at it next time and we'll finish let's look at verse 27 the lord will strike you with boils of egypt tumors with a scab with an itch from which you cannot be healed thanks a lot israel will be plagued with some of the very same plagues that that the egyptians had the boils some believe is leprosy tumors you know what that is hemorrhoids you're gonna have hemorrhoids that'll never go away that should be enough right i'm gonna obey that's it i'm done i'm obeying god Now, why is he giving us all this detail? Because he so loves his people. And when all these consequences come, he wants it to be an opportunity for them to turn back to him. The scabs would be scurvy. The itch would be this burning thing that would never pass. And the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. The physical diseases will result not only in physical ailment, but mental anguish as well. The word for madness there in Hebrew means they didn't know what to do. You'll get to the point where you're just, I don't know what to do. I'm walking in disobedience. I don't know what to do with my life. I'm just a total mess. You ever been like that or met people like that? People will come and say, man, I just, I don't even know what to do with my life. I'm a mess. I don't know what direction to turn. Turn to the Lord, amen? amen. And it's always in a situation, not when we're walking in the center of God's will, but when we're outside of His will, that we put ourselves in those kind of situations. And lastly, it says blindness, destroying both the eyes and the judgment that would come. And then lastly, that word confusion, if you look it up in Hebrew, the word means stupidity and amazement. He said you're going to walk around dumb as a stump. If you're outside of God's will, you'll have no clue. Why is it my family? Why is my marriage a disaster? Why is everything wrong? Why don't I get it? Why am I struggling so much? Because you're doing it on your own. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Pursue God, not the blessings. Pursue the giver of the gifts, not the gifts themselves. Amen? And ending in the middle of a chapter is hard for me sometimes, but let me just say this, and we'll look at this next time. We'll finish up the chapter, Lord willing. But I want to encourage each of us that God does care about how we live our lives. 
And He saved us, not just to be our Savior, but to be our Lord. He desires not just that we would call Him Father on Sunday or on Wednesday night, but He desires to have a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week intimate relationship with Him. And if we walk in obedience, God will bless us. He will use us for His glory. And if we disobey Him and we reject Him, then the consequences of sin will come. Now, this is not Him being a no-fun bummer God wanting to take it out on you. This is God's warning to keep us away from the things of this world that will take our eyes off of Him. Amen? And praise God that He loves us enough to warn us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for this Word. And I know for many... Chapters like this are hard and difficult. But Lord, I just pray that we would see that this comes from the heart of a loving God. A God who loves us enough to discipline us. A God who loves us enough to direct us back into right fellowship. Lord, I'm glad that you love me enough to spank me when I need it. I'm glad that you love us enough, Lord, that that you just reveal the truth to us in such a powerful way. Lord, I pray for anybody here tonight that... Tonight's message has pierced their heart because they know they're not walking in your will. They've made choices that are not fruitful. And Lord, that the consequences have been heavy. Lord, I pray that they would know right now that you're a loving, gracious, and a forgiving God. And Lord, if they will simply turn to you, you, can re- you will forgive them for what they've done. You will restore them, Lord. And I pray that as consequences may still be there, I pray, Father, that you would strengthen and comfort them to keep their eyes on you in the midst of it. Help us all, Lord, to glorify you in our daily lives, to be an example to a world that so desperately needs you. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand and close the worship song.